This is Together 24-7, episode 151. Hi everyone, this is Barry Cohen, one half of the Together 24-7 podcast. You've gotten to know us from listening to our show, but did you know that we've been in business together since 2003 and separately since 1997? We've taken our experience and knowledge from multiple successful businesses and transformed them into one company, Business Solutions for Growth. And now you can work with us directly. In just 30 days, we'll work with you to create a strategic plan with focus, clarity, and vision. We zone in on your talents, experience, desires, and skills to create the right business strategy for you so you can hit the ground running with a plan of action to take your business to the next level. For more information, go to businesssolutionsforgrowth.com or call us at 602-399-7430. That's businesssolutionsforgrowth.com or call us at 602-399-7430. Welcome to Together 24-7, the show that talks to entrepreneurial couples about their business lives, their personal lives, and how to balance both without driving each other crazy. Here's your host, Barry and Catherine Cohen, showing how you can be business partners with your sweetheart and sweethearts with your business partner. Barry and Catherine have been married since 1996, in business together since 2003, and have survived to talk about it. Welcome to another episode of Together 24-7, where we talk with couples that are in love and in business. Crazy. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> or not well, necessarily. No, we've, we, we've, we've interviewed people who are not necessarily in that order. They're in business, and then they fall Right, in. right. First date. Hey, you want to go into business together? Sure. Sure, why not? And then they wanted to save money and got married. Something yeah, like something that. Something like that. <laughs> Catherine. Oh, wait. I'm Barry Cohen. I'm Catherine Cohen. Hi. Hi. Who are we interviewing today, Kat? <laughs> today we have Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, and their company is Impact Theory. Uh, they have been in business together for 16 years, not entirely the whole time with Impact Theory. They are married out of Los Angeles, California. Um, let's see. What do we got here? Tom, Tom is the co-founder of Quest Nutrition. So that was a unicorn startup. I guess that means it was all... Single-horned? Uh, sunshine and rainbows. I don't know. Um, Quest Nutrition is the fastest-growing food company ever. 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 So um, now what Tom is doing, along with Lisa, is helping the next crop of disruptors develop the right mindset to grow their mission-based businesses through his mentorship show and community which is Impact Theory. So Impact Theory is a mentorship show, and it is a community. So here's what happened. Lisa is part of the founding team of Quest Nutrition. So were you guys married at the time, or, or did you meet during Quest Nutrition? No, we were definitely married. We'd been, we'd been married for, I think, a, almost a decade by the time that we started Quest. Okay, so you guys were married, and then and now, after Quest which you're still part of, but after Quest, you've developed Impact Theory together. So, Tom, you were the co-founder of, of Quest. Oh, and that was in 2014. And you're the co-founder and host of Impact Theory. Your mission is to create empowering media-based IP and the acceleration of mission-based businesses. I think, shouldn't every business have a mission? You would think. You would think. <laughs> but it's not always the case. And, uh, by the way, happy listening audience, the mission is not to make money. Oh. That's a byproduct. <laughs> That's a byproduct. I mean, obviously, you want to make money, even if you're a nonprofit. It's a byproduct. There's a different mission. Tom, you are personally developed to help people to 
you are personally driven to help people develop the skills they will need to improve themselves and the world. Um, you are intent to use commerce to address the dual pandemic. That's a strong word. Pandemic of physical and mental malnutrition. That boom. is. Yeah, boom. Mic drop. Mic drop. Exactly. <laughs> You regularly inspire audiences of entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders at some of the most prestigious conferences and seminars around the world, including Abundance 360, A-Fest, and Freedom Fast Lane. Uh, you've also been a guest on the Tony Robbins podcast and the School of Greatness podcast. You're featured in Forbes. And, and now together 24-7. And now together 24-7, right, because we rank right up there with Tony Robbins. Oh, how the mighty have oh, fallen. <laughs> no. No. We have an audience. Lisa, you are living proof that Darwin was right when he said it is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. Now, see, that alone, everybody thinks Darwin said it was the strongest of the species. So everybody learned something today. Darwin said it's the most adaptive. It's all about adapting. Anyway, you began your professional career in film, moved briefly into administration, you were a founding team member at Quest Nutrition, so you took on the logistics of the company. You I did. You built the um, company fulfillment department from nothing and the company and helped facilitate the company's rise to number two on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies. You then That's right. Now that, you, that's a, wait. First of all, can can we just yeah, take, okay, a take a second? Take a second and be impressed because be impressed. I am so impressed with that. Yes. Okay. Oh. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> it, it is impressive. Number two on the Inc. 500 list of fastest growing private companies. That's, that a, that's a better mic drop than the other one. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? We use the fact that we didn't get to number one to keep pushing us. There yeah. you go. That's, that's always good. <laughs> you then return to media, helping to build the company's revolutionary in-house media team. And you produce content that has been viewed over... 100 million times. That's like a lot of views. That is a lot of views, yeah. Or it's just one sad person sitting at home on a loop. No. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's, no, I'm sure it Some is not. Some 40-year-old in Some his mother's basement, basement just watching. No, no, no. So that, that was all part of Quest. And now as the co-founder of Impact Theory, you're looking to combine your highly developed skills as a creative producer and your drive to help people build things that matter. So, Tom, Lisa, tell us a little bit more about the company and what it is you're doing and what your mission is to create companies with missions. Isn't that the mission itself? Yes. Go ahead. Indeed. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, we, when we left Quest, we realized that we um, you know, wanted to continue to do something. We could have bought an island and you know, sat on the beach and... Um, drank Mai Tais all day, but that really didn't resonate with what we want to accomplish in the world. And so we sat back and said, you know, what are we really trying to do here? And uh, to your earlier point about the very uh, big words of dual pandemics, um, you know, looking at wellness and what motivated us to do Quest in the beginning, it really was about seeing people be happy. And I grew up in a morbidly obese family and have watched people struggle very profoundly with their weight. And Quest was about making food that people could choose based on taste to get them into a virtuous cycle with food, to get them feeling better, looking better. Um, and that really was the driving force. You know, I was watching my sister who at the time was clinically depressed and really trying to think like, what is the no BS answer to how do you solve that problem? And just seemed 
that we had to get her into a positive um, self-image and that uh, really starting with diet and getting her physically in a good place was one of the ways to go about that. And But at the end of the day, it really was about the mentality. It was about helping her get out of that and to live a life that you know makes her feel fulfilled and she's excited. And the, the mental transformation was more important than the physical. But since we launched the company, um, she's lost over 120 pounds and just has gone from clinically depressed to really being a joyful person. And the, that mental side of it has really been the really beautiful part to watch. So wanted to take that to its natural conclusion and create the, you know, the full circle of wellness, which is body and mind. So impact theory is all about the mind. It's about showing people a growth mindset. Um, it's at its core there, there really are two sides. There's the business incubation side, but, and that's maybe, um, a little more misleading for people, maybe easy to understand, but a little bit more misleading in terms of how we approach the world. Um, a simple way to, to get people to think about it is to say from a media perspective, on a similar timeline, we think we can be bigger than Disney. And we asked the question, what would Disney look like if it were founded today? And we think it looks radically different than the way that the company looks now. And so that's our agenda. And it's twofold. It's traditional narrative. So think movies, TV shows, comic books, novels, video games. And then there's social content. And that's what we're doing right now predominantly to build the audience that we'll need to really um, – show what a 21st century studio would look like today because I think a lot of it will be socially driven. Okay. What kind of studios are we talking yeah, So, So we've got these studios. This is for the businesses, for their use, for you teaching businesses on what they're doing, or it's the stuff that you're producing? So the way that we look at it is like this. Have you seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. Yep. All right. Perfect. In my big fat Greek wedding, the mother says, um, my husband may be the head, but I am the neck and I can turn the head wherever I want it to look. And to me, that's the perfect metaphor for the way that the world works today with social media. The crowd is the head. You don't ever get to tell them what to think, but you can be the neck and you get to tell them what to think about and so that's really where we're trying to get to. We believe that we're living in a time, I and mean, this was really coined by Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Power of Myth back in the 70s. And he realized that you know we're living through this era. And he, by the way, for people that don't know, he was the one that helped George Lucas develop Star Wars um, and really make it a whole universe of mythology based on his work across cultures and mythology, he wrote The Hero, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And looking at what happens to the world when you have an abundance of mythology, but nobody believes that the lessons are real because they just dismiss it as being a story. So we wanted to say, how would you revitalize mythology today? How would you give it renewed importance? How would you help people actually extract the meaning from it? Because I became, I took myself from um, being a, a good employee, keeping my head down, doing as little work as possible, avoiding punishment at all costs, um, being dead broke to building the second fastest growing company, as you guys so kindly pointed out, um, and you know, generating real wealth in our lives by looking at mythology, extracting the knowledge about how to live my life, changing my identity, thinking about myself in a whole new way, largely driven by movies and comic books, which I'll happily go into because I know that sounds crazy, but it's true, and it helped me change my identity. And so I promised myself when I had the opportunity that I would pay that forward and show other people how I did it. 
And the more I began to research, because I really approach things from a neuroscience perspective, the more I researched it, um, the more I came across the studies that have come out that show the only way for people to assimilate truly disruptive information is through narrative. And so I knew if I was going to teach the next generation of entrepreneurs how to build companies that matter, how to build companies that are really going to have a positive impact on the world, we had to start with how they build their sense of identity, how they construct their worldview, how they really um, inform their businesses. And I believe that the way that we do that is through narrative. So we have what looks like on paper, like this really, um, you know, two just really far apart ideas of incubating companies and creating content. But for us today, that's the way that you inform those companies. So we believe companies will change the world uh, for better or worse. And then we believe the way to make sure that those companies are changing the world for the better is by informing people how to live, how to act through narrative. Makes perfect sense. And I never knew. Now, I read Joseph Campbell. You don't, Barry, but I do. Well, now I will. I mean, if okay. you help Lucas. And we're big Star Wars fans. Um, and I never knew the connection. So thank you for that. That's pretty cool. And yeah. see, that's where you grabbed our attention, by the way. Otherwise, right. there were just a lot of big words, blah, blah, no, big words. Not George true. Lucas, Star Wars, boom, attention. That's not I true. I like it. But, but see, that goes to, that proves Tom's point about narrative and telling the story and telling the story about George Lucas and, and Joseph Campbell because it got both of us. So now um, you originally started in Quest together and then you moved on to create this new business together, Impact Theory. Why'd you do it? Why'd you, you know, what made you start in business together and what made you think that the two of you could do something yourselves and not ruin the relationship? So um, going back to 17 years almost that we first, when we first met, um, he was actually my teacher at a film school for adults. Um, yeah, but he was still- important to mention that part. <laughs> But he was still my teacher. So from the get-go, there was the, um, you know, I guess he was the leader. Um, and then after I finished school, um, he actually got me certain gigs on movies. And again, it was kind of, he was always the lead. So if there was a um, a position, um, he was like, there was a, screen, um, a script that he wrote. And I did the photography on the movie. Um, so every step of our of the way, we actually were, um, you know, we had that dynamic of alpha and beta, and we discussed that, and we definitely discussed on like um, what those roles meant, um, and this was very early on. So as time went on, and we started Quest, um, we it was just um, known that he was going to be, you know, my boss, and I ultimately was the, I guess, employee. Um, and I would follow his vision. And we, like I said, we discussed that and that was um, something we both wanted. So when one thing that's really important to note is what we mean when we say alpha beta. Um, there was an amazing documentary about wolves that came out and it showed, because um, in our society, I think beta in people's minds means submissive, which is certainly not true of uh, my wife and I. <laughs> uh, my wife is definitely um, not submissive at all. But in, in wolf packs, the beta is oftentimes the enforcer. The beta oftentimes is the the tougher, and it really is the alpha who just is the decision maker. And so it's that head neck thing, and that's a dynamic that 
um, is, is always suited very comfortably. Not everybody really wants to step out front. Um, my wife isn't somebody who, um, you know, longs for the giving the grand speeches and standing out front and saying, you know, everybody follow me. I'm the cheerleader that claps when. Yeah, but more on. importantly, you know, it. she's she's got fortitude. She's got toughness. She can execute. She knows how to really, really make things happen. And so it's a powerful dynamic where I, I worry sometimes that people think that having the vision um, is is the important part and miss out on the necessity of being able to actually make that a reality. And so that's been a, a dynamic that we've enjoyed where, you know, I can, um, I can dream and I can put together the list of things that are important, knowing that I have a, a true partner, a 50% partner who um, is, is going to be there to make sure that everything goes off and actually happens the way that it's supposed to and, you know, really plays at the absolute highest level. So with that, and and you guys developed that you developed this synergy um, early on in the relationship, and I and I absolutely agree. There's there is that I love the my big fat Greek wedding, and you know he's the head, I'm the neck, and and that is so true for so many things. And unfortunately, people are, no no no, we're fifty fifty partners. We've got to do everything exactly the same, and 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 so on. And and I think those are the ones that struggle more when you don't have an idea person and an executor or um, you don't have a, a way to lead and then, as you said, enforce. I like that word. So with that and, and having created this amazing dynamic early on, who does what now in impact theory? How is that decided? And not just the big stuff, but the little behind the scenes stuff as well. Yeah, I think there's multiple elements there. Number one is what do you actually enjoy doing? And we sat down and we had that discussion. Like, what are the things that I really enjoy? What are the things I want to get better at? And what ultimately is my goal as an individual? Um, Tom did the same. What does he enjoy? What's his long-term goal as an individual? And then we came together and said, okay, what's the vision as a team? Like, what's the final goal? How do we both get what we want? Um, and then what are the steps to do that? And um, I'm just happen to be very good at logistics. Um, I love production. Um, I love figuring out the the small little details of production with camera crew editing. So that's just my world that I love. And that's the sort of thing that Tom hates to do. And so, you know, kind of, we just navigated the waters, even from the beginning of Quest up until right now. And we just navigate the waters and what, um, what are the things that we really want to do and how do we get there and who's the best person to handle that? Um, and ha in having those discussions, we don't often have conflicts um, because, you know, we both know what we're trying to get to for the, the bigger mission that we have collectively. And I like that. We, we so often have couples that say, you know, we, we each play to our own strengths and then, and those are the successful ones. And then you look at, you know, or, or we work with, you know, couples in business or just starting out and they're like, well, well, we really, you know, we want to grow and we want to grow as people in a business. So I, I think we should, you know, or we think we should take on, you know, things that push us and make us grow. No, you know what? Go to the gym. Push at the gym. Don't don't take on something that you have no desire, no like for. If you hate it, you're not going to be good at it. Yeah, you know, so it, it's as simple as that. You, you'll have no enthusiasm, no passion. So 
why do you want to do that when the other person loves it, is good at it, and and can make you look like a star at the same time? Right. Exactly. So I want to know now, going back through your entrepreneurial career, what has been the biggest disagreement you two have had, and how did you work through it? Well, that's a great question. Um, what was our biggest disagreement? I think I'm I am very much a workaholic, and I think in the beginning that created a lot of stress, in, especially because in the early days we weren't working together. Um, so she was doing in, in the sort of the middle years, she was a much more, um, traditional, um, stay at home wife. She was doing art. Um, but really our plan was we were going to have kids. And so it was like, you know, it didn't make sense for her to be working hard at a career that we knew she was going to leave. We kept saying, you know, in two years in two years, uh, we'll have kids. And so, you know, always thinking that I was like, 18 months away um, from selling a company and being done, um, I just worked, 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 worked. And that was obviously very corrosive on the relationship. There's just something, hey, you should probably be spending time together. Um, and, and in those years is really where this desire to work together, to be growing together as a couple, to find a way to merge our drive and ambition that in a way that brought our lives together. And that's why really the culmination of all of this is a company that we literally co-founded together, um, have done everything side by side, because the more that we push and, and try to develop and, and move the company forward, the more it's bringing us together, which has been great. So I think she really was the sober one in those early years that had to talk me off a ledge a bit uh, from just letting work be all consuming. So I got a question about your workaholicism. Is that, is that the word? Yes, that's, that's the word, workaholicism. So it, it, do you find that you're a workaholic no matter what, no matter what phase the company is in? Or do you find that when it's a startup, you're, you're much more into working 24 hours than, say, five, six years down the road? I think it changes. Um, I especially now I'm really doing things that I'm deeply, deeply passionate about. So for me, there's no clear delineation between working and playing, which is awesome. It's a great way to be. Um, but it, it, there's, a, there's an intensity to the startup years when maybe you want to take a day off and you can't. So I think there's no question that I work more in a startup phase than I do later. Um, but, you know, when, when it's all sort of intermingled, I work a lot all the time. <laughs> that's that's the, the truth. And, and Lisa, are you considering work and play the same thing now, too? Um, yeah. So I am actually better at, I think, just um, taking time selfishly um, and just, you know, watching terrible television or something just as my, you know, regroup. Um, but, you know, I mean, I I work like probably 12 hours a day and this man works like 18 hours a day. So he makes me look pathetic. Um, but, but the irony is she's more likely to work to the point of exhaustion than I am. Yeah. So one thing I don't work out of uh, a sense of obligation. I have something that I'm moving towards. And one thing that we've done a good job of balancing each other out is 
she'll work towards obligation. So it's, you know, really making sure that she doesn't burn herself out because she, honestly, she's a way harder worker than I am. I've just been um, clever enough to fool my laziness by doing things that I enjoy. I love that. And because I, because I lead production as well, I have very hard deadlines. So this is getting released at this date at this time. Um, this is a, a certain quality that I have to make sure that it goes out on. And, you know, I, I pride myself in feeling like I'll never let um, my business partner down as well as my husband. So I'll keep going until I've got it perfect, got it on time and executed at a very high level. Um, and I just feel like that is if I don't, then I'm letting him down. Um, and so that's kind of where the, the partnership and um, husband really do overlap. So, um, yeah. Now, what steps do you guys take or have you taken any steps to avoid business disagreements? No, I think we go we go into it knowing that um, we both have the same mission. And so when we're really butting heads over something, it's just boiling things down to their fundamentals. What are we trying to accomplish? Which idea is more likely to accomplish it? Whose skill set are we playing to? You know, so your earlier point, we really do play to our strengths. So, and we both acknowledge what the other person's strengths are. And so we've discussed very openly who's better at what. So if we have a conflict and it's like, you know what, I feel like really strongly about this, but I'm going to be honest, this is one of your known um, areas that you're just better than me at. So if it's something logistical and I, I like feel just fiery that I'm right, I'll still back off because she has proven over hundreds and hundreds of examples that she just her brain is better at processing that than mine and so if she says look love you to bits and pieces but um i think i see something here that you don't and we're we're at the point now where i just know enough to back off i'm gonna guess she could also beat you up uh, my wife is my <laughs> wife is tough i i won't uh i won't deny her that it's the quest nutrition bars that's right <laughs> It is that and all the weights she moves. This this girl <laughs> oh in the gym, like holy moly. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have to match her rep for rep, I'll tell you that. So tell me what are some of the joys that you guys experience now that you are actually together twenty four seven? Uh share with your with our listeners how this has changed your lives. There's nothing more beautiful than watching somebody you love shine. And we have really structured the company so that we believe and what it's trying to accomplish so that we can really pour ourselves all in. And we've gotten to this point because we've spent a lot of years, each of us building a certain skill set. And I think that really getting to put that skill set to use in service of something bigger than ourselves that we really believe in, like it's just incredible. And so, you know, seeing the content that she puts out, cause she's our, um, you know, she leads all of our creative. So everything that we're putting out really has her stamp of approval on it. And it's just been absolutely astonishing to watch her grow and execute like that. And, you know, I don't think there's any substitute for just just standing in awe of somebody that you find scary, sexy. So it's uh, yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah. And I would just absolutely echo that. Um and whenever I hear him do any speaking engagements or keynotes and, you know, I said earlier, I'm his cheerleader. Like, I really mean that every time I see him speak, I feel like that, um, you know, that the kid looking up at their, uh, what is it, their band or uh, 
and just like cheering them on. So seeing him grow and seeing each time that he speaks, how he gets better, because I know him so well. Um, I can see that improvement on a day to day basis. And, you know, there's just that element of pride for me. That's great. Catherine, are you my cheerleader? I didn't think so. You don't <laughs> even have to answer. You didn't even give me a chance. I do. I cheer you on. I'm I'm a big cheerleader. I also point out your flaws because that's so easy to do. But uh, other than that, I cheer you on. I just I tell people I tell people not to encourage you in your sometimes immature ways. That's that's Okay, guys, is there anything wrong with fifth grade potty humor? <laughs> I guess it depends on your audience. <laughs> Bunch for, of business people. Yeah, for, no, well, fortunately, it's people that we've known for many years, so it's all good. They're used it's to me. It's all good. So, <laughs> Lisa, tell me one or two things that you guys do to separate your business time from your family time. Yeah, that's really important. And I definitely think it's more important, um, I guess, for me than it is for him. And I don't take offense to that I just think that's the difference in you know men and women and just our personalities so um I don't take offense if he doesn't think about it I just make sure that we do get that time so there's certain things that make me feel like um very special um and spending that quality time together one is just having breakfast every Saturday morning so he runs around all day. He's up at sometimes two, three in the morning. Um, and so we often, even though we work together, we often don't get to sit and eat together. Or if we are eating, it's discussing spreadsheets or content. So Saturday morning, breakfast at the dining table, phone switched off and just chat. What's the best thing that happened to you this week? Or, you know, things like that. And then at nighttime, every night, um, we try to go to bed at exactly the same time. Um, and as cheesy as it may sound, um, I lay my head on his chest and fall asleep. And so those little things in the whole scheme of how busy your day is, how crazy it gets, um, even if we've argued, we will still make sure that I fall asleep in his arms. And it's just a little intimate you know, moment that for me just makes me feel like I'm connected to him. And it's not to do with work. It's just purely feeling that. Um, so, yeah, those are two things that come to mind that I make sure that we do. That's sweet. I like that. You're looking at me like we live in Phoenix. OK, so 90 percent of the year we try not to be anywhere near each other. And, and not because we don't love each other. And and then the cats have to be on our bed, but separate from us because yeah, we don't cuddle it's because too it's hot. Phoenix. It's way way too way hot. Too hot. Anyway. Yeah, Phoenix isn't playing around. <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. Uh, next question that I have is, what if any business books have really impacted your business lives that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, so I actually, I'm a bit of a freak for reading and books in general. So I've created a list of the 25 books that have had just the biggest, uh, impact on me. Um, the number one book on that list is mindset by Carol Dweck, which maybe people don't consider a business book, but I consider it the most important book in the English language, regardless uh, of anything. So that, that book to me is just absolutely critical. Um, another great one is extreme ownership. Um, by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, um, Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday, books about the brain, all of those for me add up to business greatness. 
Okay, so you faded out on a few of those, but we did get the number one, which is mindset. And I'm going to invite you, Tom, to email us that list, and we will include that on your show notes so that our listeners can go through your list of books and start reading it. In priority order. In priority order. Thanks. I would, yes, they are in order. I will do just that. We would greatly appreciate that. That would be really We know who cool. the systems person is in that relationship. They're in order, alphabetized by number of times yeah, read. Lisa's, Lisa's more, well, she, uh, anyway. Lisa, do you have any books that, that's not on his list? Um, I do. There's one book that I would recommend every human being to read, and that is The Female Brain. Um, to me, that was just understanding why my emotions, why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, how, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and why, um, you know, men specifically, my husband doesn't see it from my point of view and just understanding the way the brain is developed as a female really changed my life in how to deal with my husband on a work basis, my husband on a, you know, relationship basis. It just understanding the chemicals, it, it changed everything for me. And it stopped the judgment that I think that men and women have on each other. So do you think that's a good book for men to read as well or just women so Absolutely they could deal with their husband? No. I think if, if men are open to reading it, like it will help them understand women so much more. Um, I mean, is that to, possible? Just, is it possible? Yes. To understand women more? Yes. To understand women, period. Oh. We, yeah, I think it's going to be hard work. I'm not going to promise it's easy. (laughs) So um, like a business, you've got to dedicate time and effort to it. I think um, I I might sort of disagree with you, Lisa. And I think that we women ourselves are harder on ourselves than our spouses are. 95% of the time you get those that 5% of, you know, spouses that need to go away anyway. But uh, I, I think I think it's it is a, a great book for us as women because we tend to be harder on ourselves and if we understood more why we are the way we are, um, that would be a good thing. So thank you for that recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, in the this round of our of our show, if you could give our lis- listeners just one piece of advice, what would it be? Everything comes down to a growth mindset for me. If people could really embrace that your talent and intelligence are not fixed, that they are malleable traits, that you can develop them at any time, um, and to really just take ownership for the position that you're in in your life. And I think part of the reason that people resist that is they think that there's, you know, if it's their fault that they are where they are, but there's nothing they can do about it, um, that it's just sort of about facing whatever um, hand fate dealt you. That's a, you know, a pretty dismal way to look at things. But once people realize that their life is a reflection of the choices that they've made, but that they can make different choices at any time, get a different result, that they can build new skills, that they can become capable of something tomorrow that they weren't capable of today. Uh, to me, it's like the, the clouds part and, you know, a, a beautiful moment is upon you and you really can't do anything with your life that you set your mind to. I agree. And then, and then it's hard to actually put it into action sometimes. Some days, some days tough, some days easy, but that's, I absolutely agree with that. So now. It's that time. It's that time. So we're going into the food round now. So we're done with business. Nice. That's our sound effects, That's by our the way. sound effects. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So Tom, Lisa, what is your favorite meal to cook together? Or if you're not, if you don't cook together, what is your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant? 
So um, I normally, so during the week, I don't cook at all. Um, that was an agreement that we just had made based on our um, our schedule and what we do. So I don't cook during the week, but on the weekend, I make Quest nachos. So those are um, like, and we actually do this. This isn't promoting the chips whatsoever, but I take our salt protein chips. I put them on a baking sheet. I add um, mozzarella, cheddar cheese, pepperoni olives and gyro meat and then I bake it for about 15 minutes and my husband loves it like it is a gourmet meal and it takes me like 10 minutes to make but does Tom help out with that one or is there something you guys cook together or nope prepare? nope no. <laughs> no. Yeah, quick he, answer and again this is just like one of those understandings that we had where it's like he doesn't cook like for him he would be absolutely happy with taking a paper plate and a plastic fork and you know getting whatever from the fridge yeah and let me be clear i don't expect my wife to cook <laughs> but i'm not going to cook but you're not going to cook one yeah there's one meal that i make myself and and i make it um, monday through friday which is uh, eggs so just like normal scrambled eggs with pepperoni and euro meat in it and um, yeah that's like uh, i just I'm a low, low effort, uh, expended kind of cook. Um, in fact, I've made countless meals for my wife, but she will tell you th- this is true. And I, I want your audience to, to bear fact, witness. We should ask them what their opinion is. Go ahead. Okay. So imagine that I made the, that exact meal, scrambled eggs, pepperoni, and gyro meat. For our East for Coast wife. friends, that's gyro meat for the folks on the East yes, Coast. Yeah, right, sorry. Right. My wife is Greek. So I'm not allowed to pronounce it gyro. Um, so it's basically a scramble with pre-made meat. So he's, he's not cooking the meat. He's going to a store. He's yeah, I don't kill the pig and like cure like, the pepperoni. You don't cook the meat either. You cook it. I don't. Meat. It's no. not heated up. So it's cooked meat. It's pepperoni and he scrambles eggs. Would you consider- and mix it all together you- with love and would consideration? You- would you consider that um, that? Um, your husband has made you dinner. Well, I would start with this. How does it taste? It's all right. Ouch. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> well, so uh, there, okay, so there is a skill, I have to say, in in cracking the eggs. And the, the reason why I say that, <laughs> and, wait, wait, let me, let me take a step back. As our listeners know, and now you will find out, we have... Five hens, and the fifth one just started laying her eggs today. It's a blue wow. egg. She's an Easter egger. About so we have, damn time. About damn time. So okay, so given that, it, it cracking an egg now with these with these hand raised, you know, loved by mommy and daddy chickens is a little bit different than cracking the eggs in the store. That being said, there may be a little bit of challenge, uh, you know, to to the egg cracking. It is a meal. It is. It is what he makes. It and is I'll a meal. bet it's delicious. It it could quite possibly be delicious. And you know, it, is it? You know, is it outrageously hard to do, or you know, take a lot of thought? No, but eh, but you know what? In, in, take it where in, you can in get all it, Lisa. fairness, no nobody outside of you know first generation Italians are making pepperoni at home. Okay. You're making bacon at home. I'm making and bacon. And you're Jewish. That's even better. That's okay. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody that makes gyro meat. You like how I did that? Gyro meat. Right. At, nice. at home. 
So, so you have to go get these ingredients. Well, I think that that's a part of it. Like, so when we, and this is a, you know, a 17 year standing joke argument that we have. So he was like, I made you food, like dinner, the very, like the second date we had or the third date we had. And I said, taking chicken out of the freezer and not even putting salt on it and putting it basically right onto the barbecue isn't considered cooking to me. Like, Get a recipe, look it up, marinate the chicken a bit. Oh yeah, Tom, you could have gotten it. You know, you could have gotten a bottle of Italian dressing, thrown it on there for an hour, and you'd have been good to go. So that that was a little. I got to agree with Lisa over there. I got to agree. I'm, with I think she would have said that because I didn't make the dressing, that it doesn't count. And well, then if I made the dressing, she'd be like, "But you didn't grow the chives." So I the goalposts on this one get moved. Tom, yeah. Tom, I'm starting starting to go into Lisa's camp here because <laughs> if you don't even defrost the chicken, you just throw, slap it right on the grill. Now, for for the record, she's giving an example from when I was like 24. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to hold yes. on to that example. <laughs> that that is yeah. She's continue making reservations. Continue Tom. making Stay reservations. Safe. All right. Yeah, agreed. So the last question. I- the last question before we take a break and come back. Red, white, or beer? Well, so we, from a drink perspective, we're very much a cocktail tell kind us, of couple. So tell us about do, that. Our drink of choice is um, Grey Goose Vodka with Mio. Do you guys know what Mio is? No. No. It's like a water flavor that has no calories. Oh, those squirt little squirt bottles go into your water. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I thought so, it was I thought it was a, a Hollywood water, thing. The vodka and then the flavoring and you've got the lowest calorie drink that we know of. As opposed to the drinks that we make that's sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar. No, no, not all of the drinks that we make is sugar on top of sugar. Limoncello, chocolate cello. Yeah, those are sugary. Mead. Mead is sugary, yeah. Sugar, yeah. It's kind of... Well, we do some stuff with vodka, too, so let's... We're good with that. Move along. Move along. All right, so we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to hear about two, not one, but two pet peeves. Hey, everybody. We know you love audio. Why else would you be listening to this podcast? Through audible.com, together 24 7 listeners can get a free audiobook. That's a free audiobook and a 30 day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash together. Again, the website is www.audibletrial.com slash together. Listeners, you have a business, you need a website. There are a million choices out there, so where do you turn? Well, HostGator.com has one-click WordPress installs, or you can use their drag-and-drop website builder. They also have service and support available around the clock every day of the year, so you know you're in good hands. They already have low prices, and now HostGator.com has taken it a step further for our listeners. Use promo code TOGETHER247 to get 25% off their hosting services. Don't wait. Hit pause now and sign up at HostGator.com, unless you're driving. Then wait till you get where you're going. Remember, use promo code TOGETHER247 to get an additional 25% off at HostGator.com. Catherine, we're going crazy today. We're going crazy. This is just nuts. This has never happened before. No, it has, but... um, This has never happened before. Not in a while. Go with it. No one remembers. Bill, 
Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. Bill, you. I'm going Bill. Who's Bill? Because, see, I had to put the pronunciation up there so I wouldn't screw up their names like I've done in the past. Tom. Tom, Bill, you. Tom, you can start. What was your pet peeve that was reactivated today? Yeah, when people aren't being honest about their motivations, uh, that really drives me crazy. So we are remodeling our house and um, there was a wall that we had agreed would be located in a certain place. And then both the designer and the, um, the contractor were looking at me like I was crazy, um, at least when I was explaining, because they weren't standing there. I was explaining to them what was going on. They're like, no, that's exactly what we discussed. And then I knew that they were doing it to make their life easier because they were trying to leverage an existing wall that was already there, which was the whole reason that we were moving in the first place. Um, so, yeah, that winds me up when like, hey, if your motives aren't pure, like I totally get it. I'm a human, too. But let's have the real conversation instead of dancing around it and trying to make things up. Drives me insane. So did the wall actually go up or did you catch them before they put the wall up? We caught them before they put the wall. up. Oh, so. OK. Thankfully, it was uh, a major delay averted. And yeah. cost. And co- Well, no. I don't think cost. It would have been cost to them, but not, not to Tom mm-hmm. and Lisa, to the, to the contractor. And Lisa. Correct. Yes. What is <laughs> I guess looking, I wrote down your pet peeve, so I'm reading it. She's chomping at the bit, ready what's, to go. What's your pet peeve? So, yeah, so my, well, so, um, my pet peeve with my husband, at least. So in fact, not my husband, my partner, my business partner, because I do try and uh, separate the two. But when it comes to um, work, so as I said, I run our production. Um, whenever we're doing like a new piece of content or we're discussing something, um, I like to walk away with concrete um, execution steps. Okay, this is what we've decided. This is what we're going to do. And then I march forward and just make sure it gets done. Um, Let's say that's been a period of two or three days. Well, when I go back to Tom and show him or discuss it again, he's like, well, why did you do it like this? I'm not sure about this. Oh, I don't think this. Now, I've gone down that road from the discussion beforehand. Um, And so I go down and I execute it. Well, in that period of two or three days, him being such a visionary, he's thinking of other things, other examples, other ideas. So when we come back together, he's spitting out all these other ideas that he's thought of over those few days. But of course, that completely changes the plan of what I've just done for those few days. So in talking about it, it's like, oh, but you said this and we had decided this and that. Um, And he's actually very forgetful with um, small things like that because he's already gone on to the next thing. He's already thinking about what's ahead of him. So he's forgotten the discussion we've had and so that's um, that's a bit of a pet peeve. And how did you say it earlier? Forgetting the details of what we discussed, or something. Yeah. So he forgets the details of what we've discussed. So I've just spent you know two or three days like executing on that detail, only to come back and find out that he actually now disagrees. Now the problem lies when a lot of the time he's right. But because he hasn't vocalized it, because he's forgotten the details that we've discussed, um, I sometimes have to start from scratch because, you know, the new vision actually is the right one. But I'm still frustrated that I've just spent the last two or three days doing something that, um, you know, could have And the worst part is I feel her pain on that. Like, I get it. But I I want you to punch myself in the mouth. I want uh, you to latch on to something there, Tom. You have to latch on to something that she said. You were right. Yeah. 
She's really good about that. I I will give her one thing. My wife is not is, is I was gonna say not stubborn, but she can really dig her heels in. But she's not ego protective and stubborn. So yeah, she is very gracious um, when she thinks that I'm right about something, even if it causes her pain. I think that's because it comes back around though to us being on the same mission. So knowing what we're trying to get to when we have these discussions, like I may get frustrated, but it's like, I know ultimately the, the idea, the right idea is the right one. So to, you know, be stubborn and put my foot down and not change path um, isn't in um, the best interest of what our mission is. So it just gets frustrating. And that's a pet peeve of mine that we're trying to kind of work through and figure out how we do both do a better job of um, not getting there. Well, it's always an evolution, absolutely, and always onward and upward spiral. Otherwise, we're just, if we stay still, we're falling behind. And so, with two pet peeves... Um, we got through them. Well, we, got, we, we, have, we have two pet peeves, scrambled eggs, gyro meat, and sausage, and... Uh, pepperoni, not sausage. And pepperoni, pepperoni. Right. And, uh, and low-calorie, low-calorie alcohol. Tom and Lisa Bilyeu of impact theory thank you guys so much for being on the show you can find them at impacttheory.com and all of the other places where we where you at you our listening audience can contact tom and lisa we will have those on the show notes it was such a pleasure to interview you both find out a little bit more about who you are and how you are together 24 7 thank you so much for being on the show thanks for having yeah, us thank you for having us and we'll catch everyone next time bye-bye we want to thank you again for listening. Be sure to go to iTunes to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, and review it. And if you have any suggestions, just email us directly, together at together247.net. Check us out on our website at together247.net slash resources for some great ideas, resources, and offers for your business. And don't forget to click on our sponsor's links as well. Do you own a business with your sweetheart? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at guests at together247.net. And don't forget, we have a new episode every Monday and every Thursday. So go ahead and subscribe and keep on listening.